Shivani, we bout to party, we bout to party, unrestricted, got the house now, we gon' turn it up, up, bring the house down, got that big space pump and make them bounce now, flossing like they bossing and the freaks are coming out now. This is another edition of AEW Unrestricted, Tony Shivani and Aubrey Edwards with you. What is up, Aubrey? Uh, the ceiling. That's what's up. I'm actually doing really great. Thank you for asking. I know that's what you meant. I love you. How are you? I love you too. Thank you for that smart ass answer. Good being with you here once again today. That's why we love Aubrey Edwards because she's a great referee and also smart ass of the year and accepts it and loves it. And let me take a turn of water here. Hey, Lee Moriarty. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We are doing great. It's great to have you with us. And it's great to have you a part of AEW. Debuted August 17th of 2021 on Dark against Dante Martin. Talk about how that match happened and talk about your journey to AEW, if you would. So a few days before AEW came to Pittsburgh, I wrestled against Orange Cassidy and Chris Statlander in a tag team match out in New Jersey. After that match, Willer Yuta and Orange Cassidy talked to me and they were just talking about would I be in town, would I be around for that event, and it being in my hometown. I was there. So I was at AEW Wednesday and Friday because they were doing both live Dynamite Rampage. On that Friday, I had gotten the match against Dante Martin on Dark. And it was probably the most nervous I've ever been for a professional wrestler. <laughs> Not only was it the crowd I've ever wrestled in front of, but it was also in my hometown. So there were people that knew me. And that was really, really cool, especially like getting to know Dante over the past year, him and Darius. So getting to have that first match against him was a lot of fun. It's always really great when you get the opportunity to perform in front of like your friends and family. But I think it's honestly the most nerve wracking. Like there's something different about performing in front of thousands of people that you don't know versus performing in front of like 10 people that you know really well. I don't know if it's the same for you, but that's how it is for me. And it's almost like I hate it (laughs) because I'm just like, no, give me complete strangers. It feels way less nerve wracking that way. Totally awesome that you got to debut against people that you actually knew, and it was wonderful. I remember coming into work that day and writing your name on the board, and I'm just like, yes, we got Lee Moriarty, because you had won IWTV Championship, right? basically making your name on the indies, like crazy, crazy, awesome wrestler. If if you follow indie wrestling at all, you'd kind of known who you were. So you come in August 17th versus Dante Martin on Dark. And then you end up signing in September 2021. Following an elevation match, Tony had come out after you had wrestled with Daniel Garcia. Talk about that moment a little bit. That was a wild 24 hours. So the week before, I had wrestled in Chicago with AEW, leading into the All Out weekend. And I got the message to come out that Sunday before that week from Christopher Daniels. I got like 10 o'clock at night. I was coming home from a three-day road show and I got this message and I was like, is this really Christopher Daniels or is this like a fake email? And I read it. <laughs> and I remember because I had to work probably all five days that week. So I had to figure out something. I ended up using my last vacation week. Going out to Chicago for like four days, I wrestled Joey Janela on that dark. And then I got home a few days later from the weekend Literally, I think 4.30 in the morning on that Wednesday, 
for the match against Garcia, I got a text from Sean Dean and QT. I'm like, hey, can you make it out to Cincinnati, which is four and a half hours from me in Pittsburgh? Thankfully, I had to wake up to go to the restroom or else I might not have seen that message. So <laughs> I just got up and just drove straight out and made a um, for the uh, call time. I wrestled Garcia, who's someone I've wrestled a few times on the independents. And he, you and I are probably like, I feel like those are my two biggest rivals on independence coming up. So getting to have that match against him on elevation and then that moment after when Tony Khan offers me a contract, which was very genuine, like I didn't know that was happening. It was really, really cool. You get to wrestle on AEW Dynamite and you get to wrestle against CM Punk. Some of your thoughts about how you found out about it. <laughs> this one is fun. So I think maybe that Monday night leading into that week, I got a message from one of the trainees at the same wrestling school as me. And he was like, congratulations on the match with Punk. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I didn't see any graphics. There weren't, it wasn't in that advertisement yet. I think it got leaked earlier. Someone found it somehow. Because apparently somebody posted it on Facebook. I didn't see it yet because I don't use Facebook anymore. And then I think it was that Tuesday morning, I woke up and then like all my mentions are blowing up because Lee Moriarty is facing CM Punk on Dynamite Live Wednesday. And I'm just, I had to take a step back. That time last year, even this time last year, CM Punk was not in wrestling. He was gone. So the idea that I wrestled his eighth match back in professional wrestling is very surreal. And it was a very cool moment. CM Punk was actually the one that introduced you to the straight edge lifestyle, mm-hmm. which is kind of crazy that it's like CM Punk has such this big influence in a lot of our lives. Uh, what does that lifestyle mean to you and what's sort of important about it to you? It's important for me because not just for my lifestyle personally, but it's also for peace of mind for my family. So my mom and dad, they were wrestling, but they knew about wrestling. And when I told them I wanted to be a professional wrestler, they were very against it because around the time I made the decision and the time I was kind of my teenage years around the time a lot of the wrestlers from back in their day were unfortunately passing away because of like the drugs and the alcohol and all that stuff catching up to them. So that was a big concern for them. Originally, like I knew I didn't want to do drugs and alcohol and stuff just because of Bruce Lee's remove the non-essentials from your life, stuff like that. I didn't know it was called straight edge. I didn't know that there was this detailed thing until I found CM Punk when I was watching TV one day and I looked more into it and forgot why the exes are there from going to the concerts and stuff, people underage not being able to drink. And I just thought that was really cool how what that lifestyle meant. I took that pledge and then from then on, I just always been straight edge and I feel like that's made my family a little more comfortable with me living the lifestyle I live. And thankfully, wrestling is not as much that way anymore where people, we still have fun. They go out and hang out and things like that, but it's not extreme. Like I feel like it was back in the day. I can only speak from like what I've heard, not obviously what I experienced, but yeah. We're talking with Lee Moriarty. Uh, Lee, you mentioned the name of Bruce Lee now. Now, how did that all come about with, with the straight edge and Bruce Lee? Explain that to us. So my dad was a big Bruce Lee fan. My dad's a big fan of old Kung Fu movies and martial arts. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I was just sitting in my bedroom one day. He comes up into my room and he turns on, I think it was G4, the channel, and they were playing Return of the Dragon. He's fighting Chuck Norris at the end of the movie. And that was the first time I had actually like watched the Bruce Lee movie. And I was a huge fan from then on watching the nunchucks in the scene in the back alley. It's the coolest thing ever. And from then on, I was just very obsessed. I would watch more Bruce Lee movies and then I would dig more into his philosophy because a lot of people just see Bruce Lee as an actor. 
until you really get to know who he is and understand his way of thinking and how he always put his family first. And he just had a deeper thinking and he wanted to believe that there was more martial arts than just what he was taught. So that's why he created Jeet Kune Do, which was removing set patterns. If you do martial arts, you know, there's, um, you do this to get to this and all these other things. And that's kind of also what influenced Tiger style. Tiger style is removing patterns and all these things. Like people consider me a technical wrestler. I consider myself a well-rounded wrestler because I've studied Lucha Libre in Mexico and things like that, because I wanted to mix all these styles together and kind of flow in between them seamlessly. I'm still learning. I'm still getting better. Of course, like we all are in wrestling, but that was a big part of that for me. And then again, like CM Punk, it just kind of expanded from there. Like I found Bruce Lee. I found CM Punk shortly after in the straight edge lifestyle. So that was a lot. It changed kind of me into the person I am now. I love that you point out that you're, you don't really consider yourself a technical wrestler. Because when I first started following you, it was like, oh, look at this great technical wrestler on the indies. And then I think at one point it was either you or somebody else that said, yes, you are technically a wrestler, which I thought was like really smart because a lot of the style nowadays, especially people on the indies, you take from different sort of genres of wrestling and different backgrounds. Like you said, Mexico, Lucha Libre. I actually want to touch on that a little bit. When did you go to Mexico? I went in 2017. So in 2016, I tore my labrum and I had to get surgery on my shoulder. And this was probably like four months into my career because I started December 2015. I came back, I did a seminar on AZ. A few months later in 2017, he just randomly out of the blue. He's like, yo, I'm in Mexico for a month. You should come down and train. And I was like, uh, all right. And we barely knew each other. Like I knew his trainer very well because he was a mentor of mine, Shirley Doe. But I went down to Mexico for a week and I would travel around. I stayed with a guy named Lowrider and his wife, Sadika, who are also wrestlers down there. I just wanted to learn more of that style because that seminar I did was a lot of fun. And I felt like it could add to what I can present because the more versatile you are in wrestling, I feel like the more valuable you are, obviously, because you can just work with so many different people. Lee Moriarty had a match uh, just uh, as we are recording this uh, just uh, about a week ago against Brian Danielson. That was really met with uh, huge praise all around. Great match, Lee. Let me tell you that. I I hope you enjoyed uh, watching it back if you have by now. But uh, talk about working with Brian Danielson in the ring. It was everything I had hoped for and expected. Uh, I still have bruises on my body from the match. I'm sure. And. I mean, I'm cool with it just because how much fun it is. <laughs> you guys, I consider my all-time favorites. Like, those are my my goats. So the idea of wrestling Brian Danielson and my sixth year in professional wrestling on national TV and that style of match was crazy. And I feel like I learned a lot figuring out more of who the wrestler I want to become. I'm still molding myself because obviously wrestling is different when you're on television standard. It was, it's been a good learning process the four and a half months I've been signed with AEW. And I just appreciate that I've been able to have that match. We're talking to Lee Moriarty, recent signee and amazing wrestler at AEW on AEW Unrestricted. This is AEW Unrestricted. You're listening with Tony and Aubrey as we talk to Lee Moriarty who's been with AEW for you know four or five months or so and has totally made waves with awesome matches with CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Daniel Garcia, a bunch of the absolutely incredible stuff. If you haven't seen his stuff, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but you absolutely should because he's, he's great and amazing. 
Uh, you had mentioned a little bit in our first segment about Taiga style, <laughs> which is fascinating. And it, it's not only, I think, from like you and your wrestling persona, but also you have this graphic design background. Talk about Taiga style a little bit. Taiga style is a combination of all these things that inspired me. And that's also, in a way, my philosophy or my interpretation of Bruce Lee's Jeet Kundo. I remember when I got into wrestling, I didn't really have an idea who I wanted to be. I just wanted to be a wrestler. So for a while, I didn't have my own unique identity, my own personality. I was just an okay wrestler for being how young I was. I had mentioned earlier, I went to Mexico. Originally, I wanted to be a masked wrestler. I wanted to be a luchador. My trainers are like, not doing that. You can't hide your face, which is whatever. So I went to Mexico. I came back. And then I talked to somebody down there about getting mask made. And I wouldn't wear this mask during my entrances. This was my way of compromising with my trainers. And uh, the sounding of Tiger Style, the way I spell it, comes from the Wu-Tang Clan. And their song is Wu-Tang Clan Ain't None F With. In the beginning of it, the way it sounds is like Tiger Style. That's my choice of how I spelled it. I put in all caps because it's a reference to an artist named MF Doom who spelled his name in all caps. My color choices, like the pink, anytime I do graphics in my artwork, I always work at pinks for some reason. I don't know what it is, but there's, um, it just keeps me focused and keeps my eyes. And a lot of times when I draw, I hand draw everything, scan it in, and I'll trace over, I'll use magenta. The black and yellow is a reference to both Wu-Tang Clan, Bruce Lee's Game of Death, his jumpsuit, and then Pittsburgh, of course. My so, like, all these things come together and create Tiger style. And then me just, like, loving all different styles of wrestling from Lucha Libre to World of Sport to the Japanese style and combining them. Lee, talk about the mask that you wear. I know you've touched on Tiger Mask. And talk about the mask that you wear and the baseball jersey that you always wear. So, the mask that I wear, people have seen a few different versions of it. The two main ones that are essentially my style are the white one and the yellow one. Mm -hmm. there's a number of reasons I choose to wear a mask. These masks help me get centered and focused into a mindset. Like I'm a very peaceful, calm person backstage, and I'm very introverted. Putting this mask on, putting these headphones on, it transforms me and puts me into a battle mode, I guess. So it allows me to be who I need to be for professional wrestling. Right. This is a tiger mask, my all-time favorite, Sayama. And it's also, I just feel like, it's aesthetically me. I feel like sometimes professional wrestling, we always follow these patterns because it's like, oh, why are you wearing a mask if you weren't a luchador? There's merit to that reasoning, but sometimes it's just aesthetic. It's like, why does this wrestler wear a coat? I wear a mask because it's part of who I am. And it's helped me develop my personality and helped me be more creative. And it also allows me to always remember, like when I put that mask on, I'm doing what I want to do when I was 12 years old. I never want to lose that feeling of like being grateful and having the opportunity to live my dream. That just allows me to still have that kid in me and just appreciate all these moments I get to have. Like you say, have that kid in you. And I'm like, he's probably 10 years younger than me, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so what about the baseball jersey? Baseball jersey. Uh, there's a team in Japan called the Hashin Tigers. I would wear these jerseys because there's wrestling in Chris Hero. He would wear basketball jerseys, but I didn't want to rip that. But he's a big inspiration of mine because he was another versatile wrestler. So I choose to wear the baseball jerseys because it's something unique to me in a way. And then I put the tiger that I designed, which is also on my Titan Tron, which is really cool that I had something I designed 
you know, feature on this big screen and all this stuff. And it's just a part of my aesthetic. Like I'm still connected to that youthful side of me. I want to ask about your MF Doom mask because I know that there was a lot of interest in that when you kind of showed it off on Twitter and you're like, I kind of want to use this for a big instance. Like you touch on MF Doom having the inspiration into sort of who you are and whatnot. Like I want to talk a little bit about that mask and why you choose to not wear it as much as you could your other masks. So mask MF Doom was obviously a big inspiration to me. When I was growing up, I would draw MF Doom a lot just because I like the aesthetic of them, like this guy with mask. Another reason I wear a mask, I think, is just that I like his music a lot. He's he's really good at like sampling cartoons, older things like that, and I feel like I relate to that because there's aesthetics that I sample a lot of Adult Swim and things like that. The reason I don't wear the mask very often is because it's special. Like I don't want to take his image and make it my own, which is why it's a combination of like my tiger mask along with his thing. Like that's I don't want to bastardize it. Because obviously this man passed away and I don't want to take advantage of his legacy and like add it to my own. But it's my way of showing appreciation for everything he's done. It's my way of paying tribute to someone I feel like mainstream hip-hop fans don't get to see a lot. Because a lot of times in professional wrestling, when it comes to music and stuff, it's always the mainstream artists that are pushed forward. Sometimes we don't talk about these underground ones that influence everything else. You started wrestling, what, 2015? Do we have that right? And uh, talk about when you first started your training. I started training in February of 2015 Okay. with Brandon Kay and Dean Radford in Pittsburgh. And I debuted December 2nd or 5th in 2015. I teamed with someone named Gannon Jones Jr. who's also been on AEW Dark a few times with his tag team partner, Duke Davis. And that was a very surreal experience because, like, my family was in the audience. And the same thing we talked about earlier, how, like, you can be in this big room full of people. You, like, you don't know anyone. It's more comforting than being in this small room of people you know. And that's what that was. And I was a nervous wreck. My saving grace was that the fact I was so zoned into my match that I couldn't see anybody's face in the front row. It was just all blacked out. And I was just so focused on the match. But it was really cool that I got to have that experience. Everything from then has been pretty fast. Uh, I feel like my goal has always been to do better this year than I did the previous year. I think you're well on your way. I want to talk about your opportunities. I know you worked a lot with Alex Shelley. Mm. Uh, we have more fan questions later, but kind of wanted to touch on one now. Please talk about how rad Alex Shelley is and what's your relationship like. This is from Nick Breaker on Twitter. Alex Shelley is one of the coolest people I've ever met. Growing up watching the Motor City Machine Guns to work with them in a series of matches in AIW, it was surreal. Just like the Danielson and Punk match. These are guys that I looked up to and guys that I admired. And the fact that I got a chance to work with them was crazy. I could retire tomorrow. And like, I feel like the match that kind of, my career was always going like this, like I was doing well, but the match that kind of like shot everything up and progressed away faster was my third match with Alex Shelley, a submission match that we had, that was like when people started asking, like, who am I? And I started getting more bookings and things like that. Alex Shelley, even outside of that, he's someone that I've talked to about, like, personal life. He talked to me about how he left professional wrestling for a while to get his degree. I don't know exactly the name of what he does, but it's like physical therapy. And this was something he told me about how, like, he has this, so professional wrestling will never become overwhelmingly stressful because... He's not so depending on it financially. And that was something he talked about, like when he was 
wrestling back then before he had his degree. Like that's all he asked. He had to make money. So it put pressure on that. I, before I got professional wrestling, my parents were like, you gotta go to college. So I went for a few years for digital graphic design. And then I didn't finish the certificate only because there were circumstances out of my control in terms of like, there was five different campuses and I didn't have a car at the time. So like one of the classes, I couldn't get to that campus. So I put a hold on that, but I still have all the credits and I can go back. But after this conversation with Shelly, I actually got a uh, certificate in streetwear and marketing design. If you are a fan of anything I've done in terms of like my merchandise and my clothing, I would design my own stuff. And I would intentionally design it like streetwear. And I would intentionally design it like non-traditional wrestling gear. But that was a big thing. I've also talked to him just about general things. You know, he's been helping me put on muscle. Like I've gained probably five or six pounds since I signed with AEW. And I'm just continually trying to grow and get bigger. He's just someone we text like every once in a while. He's like one of the coolest people I've met. Alex Shelley also uh, gave you an opportunity to uh, wrestle Impact, right? Yeah. So this was during the pandemic, like the start of it. Myself, a wrestler named Trey Lamar, and a wrestler then at the time named, well, his name now is Nathan Frazier. We got a message like pretty last minute, I think like a week out. And it's like, would you want to come to Tennessee? We drove down there and we got to do Impact Wrestling's tapings. And my first time wrestling for, I guess, a television-based company and like how everything works. So I got to that first time and it was just a really cool learning experience because everything's timed out differently. How the things flow and structure is very different than independent wrestling. I like you said, hearing about a week before, which was last minute, and then fast forward, hearing last minute, like 4.30 a.m. in the morning, hey, can you be here this week for, for this kind of stuff? <laughs> it's funny the context of which what last minute means suddenly when you're working with bigger productions. You, you'd mentioned the impact opportunity kind of came at the beginning of the pandemic, but there's all of these awesome opportunities that come about during the pandemic. Like we've seen sort of the opening of the forbidden door and the opportunity of people to work with other companies and whatnot. Is there anyone that you see maybe working at another company or so, or even on the independence that you're like, I totally want to work with them? Because I mean, you've already worked with a lot of people who, you know, are considered goats and whatnot, but I'm curious, like who else is on your list? If we're talking right now on the independence that I haven't worked with, there's one named Nolo Kitano. He's out of the work uh, school, like with Amazing Red. He's really talented and he's another like Wu-Tang Clan fan. So I feel like it would be fun to work with him. Uh, there's a guy named Big Beef, Narles Garvin, who's just this intense guy. And we have such different styles. I feel like it would be a good and fun contrast. And then the third one, I think, is... It's, there's so many of them. <laughs> I never got to work with Allie Catch. Mm. Yeah, and she's just always growing. And she's meant a lot to independent professional wrestling. We are talking to Lee Moriarty. We have fan questions coming up. Talking to Lee Moriarty, and you've got AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey with you. Glad to have Lee with us, one of our up-and-coming young stars. And great young stars here in AEW. Lee, we have a lot of fan questions that came to us via Twitter. This is from uh, Shantegrity. That is at Shantegrity. What's it like? You kind of touched on this uh, when you said you went to Nashville and did some impact, but you can expand on it. What's it like working with different time constraints like TV matches versus an hour-long indie title match? So the difference is typically, for the most part, TV matches aren't as long. 
And there's obviously a format because you're on live TV. You have two hours, you have two hours. Right. Whereas independent wrestling, a show could be two hours and it ended up being three. Another thing is on TV, matches go by so much faster. I don't know if like it feels that way for you guys, like calling a match and wrapping a match, but if a match is like, it's actually like 10, 12 minutes. For me, it feels like it's five minutes. Like everything goes by so much faster. Right. That, those are the two big differences with TV. Like the wrestling in front of bigger audiences is something I've gotten used to pretty quickly. And I've actually been able to feed off the energy of fans more because there's more people there if they're vocal with the timing being stricter and things going faster. Those are the big things. Question from Adam Tool on Twitter. Why does Lee wear a singlet with the straps down and not just wear trunks? So I wear the singlet with the straps down because one of my favorite wrestlers, Masato Yoshino from Dragon Gate, he wouldn't wear his singlet up. And I thought that was a very unique look. And I wanted to be unique. I'm a big fan of Joshi Wrestling and they have such unique and colorful and amazing creative gear. I was like, how can I make that for me? Yeah, I could wear trunks or whatever, but I feel like, you know, everybody wears trunks, everybody wears tights and stuff. How can I do something that's unique? So I wore the drop singlet. I made it in a biker shorts instead of the long tights like he had. And then I would put the text or design on the inside of that singlet. So it's just something unique to me. And I feel like it's just what I wanted to do. We wrestle for the fans. We do all these things for the fans because that's why we get to do what we do. If they didn't pay tickets, you know, I wouldn't be there. If they didn't support me, I wouldn't be there. Sometimes you just do things for yourself in the sense like what I want to wear. It's for me to pay respects to Masai Yoshina, who's one of my favorites. And it's also just something I think is cool and unique. Since you mentioned Dragon Gate, I'm going to go down a couple of your Aubrey and uh, pick up this one from Hurdy Gurdy Tweet. If you could put yourself in any Dragon Gate unit, past or present, which would it be? Hurdy Gurdy also said, I think you'd make a great world one man. Yeah, I think World 1 would be a big one for me. Blood Warriors, because Sima, or Shima, who's worked with AEW a few times with Strong Hearts, I'm a big fan of them. So those would probably be the two. Asking a question from the Dude Man, moving up a little bit on the list, Tony. All right. Do you think today's performers need a stronger ground game to help back up the high-impact, high-flying offense? I know you'd said that like having a mixed style is really important, but do you feel like it's more important for people today to have more of a ground style? I think it's obviously a strength if you can do that. And the way wrestling goes, it goes in like these uh, patterns in a way. So there'll be a period where high-flying is extremely, extremely popular, and that's like the end thing for everybody to learn. There'll be a period where like, character wrestling is extremely popular and i would see this on the independence like there was a time characters were a big thing and then there was a period where like the technical wrestlers the grapplers and that was kind of like the period where yuda garcia and i were coming through so wrestling's always changing so if you can have these things when it's that time and that moment you're ready and also you never know when you're going to face someone that has that skill i didn't know i was wrestling brian Danielson until a week before I'm glad I worked on that technical wrestling because that would have been a very different match if I didn't know that style. So I think it's important to the extent of which you learn it. That's just subjective to you because maybe you're a wrestler and you want to wrestle more of the half-flying style. That's fine. Like styles make matches. The contrast of styles makes things fun. But I think it's important that you learn at least something to an extent that you can understand the basics and get a bit of a solid grasp on the fundamentals. Murph Burner wants to know, that's at Murph Burner. On Twitter, wants to know what was it like getting a huge ovation at Rampage in your hometown of Pittsburgh? It was unreal. And I feel like that played a role into why I was invited back. 
because I had so much fan support and fanfare. A lot of people didn't know I was going to be there. Most people didn't know. So AEW sends out those tweets that are uh, the green fly thing. Yeah. Like, oh, Lee Moyer sent a tweet out. Maybe he's going to be there. But no one actually knew. And a lot of people, they don't, you know, you're not on Twitter and stuff. Like, they're casual fans. I don't want to say casual fans, but, you know, they come to the shows. But they're not all deep on the internet. So they might not see certain things. So some of these fans, they didn't know I was going to be there until I came down there. And when I had fans chanting my name, Lee Moriarty, especially when I'm in the ring against Dante Martin, who a few days before on that Wednesday had that crazy tag team match with the Bucks and Omega and Mad Mike Seidel. It was really cool and humbling. Question from Death Triangle, probably not our Death Triangle, and a different Death Triangle. Uh, now that you've wrestled Punk and Danielson, who's another dream match you want to check off in AEW? One part about AEW is that most of these people, I never got to work because they kind of signed or they were at a higher level before I started coming up. So there's so many first-time matches that haven't happened yet. And there's a lot of dream matches. I would say right now, now that I wrestle Punky Danielson, Cal O'Reilly would be a big one. Mm. And also Eddie Kingston. We just love Eddie Kingston. Who doesn't? Oh, my God. Yeah. Who doesn't love Eddie Kingston? Absolutely. Uh, Clarks on Rules. Clarks on Rules wants to know, who does Lee like to kick it with on the road? So most of my independent career, I traveled solo because like, I just had to get out of Pittsburgh. And if that meant driving seven or eight hours by myself, I would do it. Ooh. But there were a lot of people I got to travel with that were fun occasionally in terms of uh, like we would be booked on the same show. So we would just travel, of course. TME, I mentioned them before, Duke Davis, Jones Jr. are always fun to travel with. I did a car ride one time with uh, Sean Phoenix, Ziggy Heim, Promise Braxton, and his name was Lewis the Nerd, which was, uh, if you've ever seen Revenge of the Nerds, that was basically his character in wrestling. <laughs> a lot of fun. I traveled with a guy named P.B. Smooth, and I feel like he and I think a lot deeper, and we have a lot more meaningful conversations about things outside of wrestling that helps me grow as a person. So that's a fun one, too. I love Sean Phoenix. I hadn't heard that name in a long time. He's a good buddy of mine question from of cooler which i'm actually curious because i listen to mf doom quite a bit which tracks or albums would you recommend if hypothetically someone was trying to get into mf doom i really like mad villainy which is what mad lip that's a cool one and then uh, i would say dig a little bit deeper so listen to him when he was king Ghidra, and he has an album that's just king Ghidra, and at the end there's a song called i wonder which i'm a big fan of but uh, my personal favorites are, yeah, I Wonder, and then uh, Con Queso. Those are my two personal favorite songs. Vigo Festerfink, that's Vigo Festerfink on Twitter. His name's man. <laughs> what is your favorite show on TV right now? Right now, my girlfriend and I are watching a show, I think it's called like Next Level or Level Up. It's a show with Gordon Ramsay and two other chefs. And basically, it's like a cooking competition. And each week, there's three levels. There's like this high-end kitchen, a medium-level kitchen, and like a basement kitchen. And then, and then like a food platform drops down each level. And often, people target the best choices of the ingredients, all this stuff. And it's just a very fun show to watch and learn how these people are cooking with all these different challenges. So that's probably like my personal favorite currently ongoing show. There's something about food shows that's like absolutely incredible. Like anytime I'm on a flight and Chopped is available, I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to watch this. This is great. Like, I want to see what you do with Okra and, you know, Captain Crunch. Let's make it happen. Question from Blackstar. What's the best advice that you've gotten from a veteran since becoming a pro wrestler? 
Uh, there's two. So one is from a restaurant should be, and it's uh, enjoy the moment. I feel like a lot of times we get caught up in the pressure of like having these big moments that we forget to just enjoy it. And the fact that we get to do this, like I said before, like wearing that mask and stuff, and just enjoying that moment. And the other one was from a wrestler and it was slow, smooth, smooth as fast. Pace yourself because you think you're not going fast enough. And I still like, I'm a young wrestler. So I had those moments, but I got that advice from a wrestler named Eric Ryan. And it's just slow, smooth, smooth as fast. And people consider me a smooth wrestler is just because I pace myself and I structure my stuff. So there's like beats, like music. Just another reference to the headphones, like I time things out musically. Let's go to this one uh, from uh, Gene XMH. What films, and you, you touched on Bruce Lee films, what films have inspired your wrestling presentation? A movie that's kind of like has some Bruce Lee references in it that has also inspired my presentation is Kill Bill. Mm. The colors, like I really like the color treatments in a lot of his movies, but especially Kill Bill, especially the volume one more particularly is a big inspiration. Recently I released a music playlist of mine and the intro, I had a bright yellow background with these like red texts and that's kind of that color treatment was referenced to Kill Bill. Lee, thanks a lot, man. Great talking to you. And congratulations on what is the beginning of a great career here in AEW. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for being here, Lee. It's just absolutely incredible that I got to be such a big fan of you. And now I get to call you my coworker and I get to work with you. And it's absolutely amazing and wonderful. I love it. Uh, you can follow Lee Moriarty on Instagram and Twitter at the Lee Moriarty. And you can listen and follow this podcast, new episodes every Thursday. Listen in on your favorite podcast app. And then we've got the video episodes that drop every Monday. That's right. And don't forget our television shows because we have one just about every day of every the week. Day. Yes. On Mondays, we have Elevation. On Tuesdays, we have Dark. We also have Wednesdays, AEW Dynamite live on TBS, 8 o'clock, 7 central. Fridays, we've got Rampage on TNT at 10 p.m., 9 central as well. This is Tony Schiavone and Aubrey Edwards, along with Lee Moriarty. Thank you for listening to AEW Unrestricted. Come on, throw your hands up, let me see you. Unrestricted. Unrestricted.